you want me to clap? Yes. Okay. We just included you. What does that? What does that mean? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because we're recording this separately from those, so later he can go. We'll put that into a video Where editing software, and that'll be there. And then the audio bars are going to be down much lower. So we went. We, we went to uh, Tetskanitska or whatever the pyramids, and uh, they have this spot in there that is all acoustic, and they believe that they played the game. They did early podcasting in old Mexico. No, they did uh, Quidditch. No way. It looked just like a game of Quidditch, truly. They had these little dots on the side of them. But uh, what they believe it is they, they played it at night. And the acoustics you could hear. And so their deductive reasoning is they were playing it off of sound. That sounds like... The losers I'm will be beheaded. Yeah, I'm not playing that. Who's, who would play that? Who would play? <laughs> They'd lose See, the, they quite literally lost their heads over it. Yeah. See, that's where I start questioning these scientists. And I'm like, these dudes grew up watching Harry Potter. <laughs> and now they have this weird fantasy about, you know, whatever. Harry Potter. And then, yeah, yeah. Then they want to make yeah. it dramatic. And so they throw in like, and the loser lost their heads. Well, I noticed you had you had a skeleton in just over on the other side there. You have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mexican Mayan, actually. Skeletons. Yes. And that comes from. That whole explainer, they found like 3,000 heads of them, but they were always uh, the people that got beheaded. There was that many matches there? They found 3,000 of them? They, they think they did like three times a year. Holy cow. But over 100, you know, over years, you're going to. That reminds me of that movie Apocalypto. Have you seen Apocalypto? Uh-uh. By the way, welcome to the podcast, All right. Cody. Well, I'm welcome. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and fire this up. We've All been, right, let's go. We've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> we might as well and we should have done it something. on here. I know, right? Apocalypto. You've not seen Apocalypto? No, I don't think so. Okay. M Mel Gibson produced it. It was very controversial when it came out several years ago. I want to say it came out in probably 2000, I don't know, 2005, 2007. I don't know. But it, it goes into a lot of, of a lot of that stuff that went on in Mayan culture. I want to say they were Mayans. Anyway, really good movie. Really harsh. Uh very gruesome, very graphic. Um, but it goes into all of that type of stuff. And it talks about the sacrifices that they would do at the top of these pyramids. And like literally there's like roll, they're rolling heads down these pyramid steps. And how they would, certain cultures would go and just go nab cultures out of the, some different culture out of the jungle and bring them. And they were slaves and sacrifices and yep, yep. That's everything exactly else. what they talked about. Yeah, and there's a twist at the end of that movie though. And it's good. It's worth watching. It would be well worth you watching considering the trip that you just went on. Okay. So I would say while you're still hot to trot off of this. Okay. You're still in the, you're still glowing. Um, did you get a lot of sun? Uh, we did get quite a bit. It Tell was, me. In fact, it didn't, it didn't rain. It rained on the last day when we were leaving to go to the airport. Really? Man, no, I'm jealous. Had, we had a couple cloudy days, but I mean, I'm telling you, it was perfect. Oh. You could sit out and, and uh, there was a nice little breeze, but it wasn't enough to bug you. Mm. And uh, you could be in the, the pool. You know. The ocean was warm. And, I mean, it, for the ocean, it was warm. Wow. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. Oh. I would do it again. Yeah. I was freezing up here. I forgot you were even down there. <laughs> I texted you one time. And uh, you're like, yeah, I'm in Mexico. And I was like, holy cow, it's 20 below here right now. Yeah, and it was probably 80. Ugh. It was in the 80s for sure with a little breeze. Wow. Going wow. over. So where exactly were you in Mexico? Tell me about your trip. Why would you go down there? Where so, were you? So I went down as a uh, – there was a group of us that's part of a uh, golden metal company called 7K. And uh, I had won the trip, so I really wasn't planning on going, to be you honest. You won it or you earned it? I won the trip. Also earned it. But it was part of uh, – there was a contest that happened, and if you happen to hit the numbers that they wanted, um, you got a free trip. And uh, so we had room service. I mean, it was there. They have a bar that's in there. We didn't. I don't drink, but we had lots of soda, and you know, you could call for room service twenty four hours a day. You go down and eat. And uh, I mean, 
I never worried about it. I just gave my room number. At the end of the day, they uh, ask for your room number to check out, and then you you know give them whatever you own. And all they gave me was a uh, thanks for coming. Hope you come back and see you later. Those who probably rang up a big alcohol bill probably got an alcohol. Bill. I would assume, but yeah, uh, drinking soda. There were people drinking all the time. Well, so I, I'm going to try to show you a picture here if I can find it of the uh, hotel room. Yeah, well, you'll have to. We'll we'll post that. Okay, we'll post that in the video too, so so um, we know what we're looking at. Anyway, it was a great it was a great experience, an opportunity to. Uh, for me, it was good. I went down, and any time that I wasn't in the uh, hotel room itself, my wife and I, you know, there were guys that had been doing this for, um, you know, years, and uh, they kind of took me under. And so the the owners, there's four founders. Were they there? Uh, they were there. The guys. Were that you were rubbing the, shoulders with those guys? Oh my goodness! I, if I didn't know better, I would tell you that it was planned, because every time I turned around, you know, there was one time when we ate dinner, and uh, it was a hibachi grill, and uh, it was on Tuesday night, and you had to schedule it out. So you had to dress up, and so the only time they could schedule it for us was at nine twenty. And I'm like, honey, do you want to eat dinner at 9.20 at night? For us, that's late um, as we get older. That's and, the uh, middle of the night. That's almost morning for me. For, yeah, so it would be breakfast for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we both are kind of like, well, whatever. And so I said, oh, go ahead and schedule it. Well, um, we had been asked to go to dinner with the uh, founder that actually came up with the idea of doing it at 6. And so we both kind of laughed and go, well, we'll just have something light, and then we'll go over to the hibachi grill. And uh, so he was telling us the story of how it even came about and how the guy that's the big money earner, um, his name is uh, Roger Ball, and uh, how he said, hey, I'll back you on this. Well, at the end of that, you know, him telling the story, I'm like, hey, we got to go. We got, you know, a dinner reservation for 920 and it's 910. And you kind of felt a little awkward. It was, was kind of at the end of that story, but we had left and uh, walked into our reservation and you know here it was a, the, at the Bahab hibachi grill there's a spot for six people well four of them were taken and the one that was open for my wife and i was right next to roger ball and uh he sat down and he's like cody i want to talk to you he knows you by name and and i was like man this is freaking weird good and, move no yeah one yeah and uh he's like i built this company so you can you know people can have generational wealth he goes, I'm telling you, if you if you can go and just build this thing, go get your in fact, both of them, the founder and then the guy who backed it, that same night over the course of three hours said, Everybody who's your closest family and friends that you care about, go get them signed up now. And uh he goes, Go get them a membership. Because um, as you build this thing, it's going to be huge. He goes, right now there's 7,000 people. He goes, we're going to have 70,000 people in the next five years with the projections yeah. that are out there. He goes, go go get the closest ones you love and uh, tell them that and he kind of he drew a circle and said, here's you. Yeah, I've seen and the he, circle bit with and lots uh, of different, yeah. different opportunities. But. And uh, he goes, you know, this is how this works. He goes, you get two people and one on your right, one on your left, you get, you know, you qualify for a $500 payout. And if you do that again, it's a thousand, and you do it a third time, it's two thousand a week. And uh, and he kept saying, you know, it's not as it's not um, as good as gold. It is gold. That we're, and that they kept telling me that it's not as good as gold. It is gold. Just go find your closest friends and family, and it's uh, you you run with this thing. Yeah. And what's the gist? Tell me the gist. Tell me the gist when he's saying it is gold. What's he talking about? What's it mean? What's this all based around? So uh, it came back that, uh, you know, back in 1999, they went in to buy gold and silver at Costco. Um, they were looking for the gold 10th ounce coin um, and the American Silver Eagle dollar coin, um, and they couldn't find it. They didn't even have them at Costco. And uh, they're like, man, what is the thing? that?" And uh, so... In 19, 1986, the uh, Reagan actually produced, they had all the silver um, that they needed to kind of get out to the, the public. And so they started producing what they called then the um, American Silver Eagle coin. If you were to collect one of those American Silver Eagles each month, they would print them. 
Um, if you did it for every month from 1986 to 19 or uh, 2016, so it was a 30-year span there, that uh, you would you would have spent about fifty thousand dollars, but it's worth one point two million today. Wow! And the reason for that is the American Silver Eagle worldwide is known for its purity and its weight, um, and so it's it has a premium on the. Um, value of American Silver Eagle. And then they have what they call a national grading agency. So it's NCG. They grade those and those collectors. Um, now there's a huge industry of people that are trying to collect them. And they're worth more for those collector portions of it because it has a little number. They can tell you when it was done, how many of them that they graded um, versus just buying a bunch of them that you have in your hand, which they call bullion. Right. So what did these guys do then? When so they couldn't find it at Costco, they what couldn't. Did, yeah, so they couldn't find it at Costco, and they tried to figure out um, how do we, how do we make this um, and market this to people, and uh, their whole concept was trying to make above average income for the average person, and so um, they started coming up with different ideas of how they could make this work, and uh, they kind of founded it off of. Um, back in the 90s, there's what they, uh, a lot of these guys are into then was called the Family of Eagles, which were 10th ounce gold eagles that they would sell. And uh, they had come up with a plan. Well, once they made some money on it, the founder of that company made $5 million. He kind of shut it down. And so that was, you know, by the, that time, it was 1999 when they were trying to find more of them because they couldn't. The company had been shut down. They had kind of closed it down because it got to a point where they either needed to invest a lot of money or they needed to, you know, sell it or close it down or whatever. And that particular guy said, hey, I'm, I don't want to invest more money in it. And, uh, you know, we all made a good run. So they then were trying to find how can we do this. And uh, so that's what got them kind of the little bug in there. But they wanted to open it up to silver and gold, not just gold. And... Uh, so Richard Hansen is the guy that was, he was the top distributor in the uh, family of Eagles. And so he wanted to come up with how, how can we do this? Well, Roger Ball is a billionaire and his money started from Melaleuca. And so he's an engineer by trade, but he also does. Um, Which Melaleuca is it like an essential oil? Is that, yeah, it's is kind that, of an essential oil and, and they have some creams, right, right. Um, some stuff, but it's all built off of multi-level marketing. Right. And uh, I guarantee you, I have plenty of multi level marketing Melaleuca around my I house. I do too, you know, of stuff that we From bought. doTERRA, Young Living, whatever that is. I mean, who hasn't, like, who's not involved in that? Always, right? always. There's Everybody's, always something. Yeah. Right. So I've got plenty of that. That's So for me, it was always kind of a side hustle ideas that, that, you know, 50% of America, the average person you run out in the street, can't afford a $500 um, unexpected expense. Correct. So for me, I was always about trying to uh, find something on the side that would over, you know, whether it was unexpected or whether it was the family vacation, taking the kids to Disneyland. For me, it was always trying to find something on the side that you can do that you can cover, you know, those unexpected expenses or go on vacation. And uh, that was the mindset that I kind of went down there with. I left with the mindset of uh, I want to I give this thing a shot and just see um, – how true, it's kind of that old college try of uh, how true can you really, how, how, um, how true are they? So you know that everything rises and falls with management. Whether you have good management on any company um, is the deciding factor of whether that place is going to stick around or not. I and mean, we all know that. We're all one boss away from hating our jobs. And so you have to kind of get the mindset of well, what is it that I want to spend our time in? So for me, I know that... Uh, we live, you know, there's two dates, the date we born, the date that we live, and the dash in between. And so the dash in between, we know we're given a finite amount of time in our life. And how are you going to spend that time, you know? And to me, that's one of the things that I think about at night is uh, how do you spend the dash? You know, what is it that's important to you? Yeah. And uh, for me, I've always have loved um, investing. And learning how to invest and making making money work for you, um, 
So when you think about it as terms of, you know, how do I do that 24 hours a day when I'm sleeping, my money's working for me. Yeah. Now I haven't had, you know, I wasn't born with a golden spoon in my mouth. Yeah. I don't, I wasn't either. So, uh, it's a matter of saying, you know, if you weren't, if you didn't come from wealth, make sure that wealth comes from you. And, uh, so then it's a matter of saying, well, how do we do that? And, uh, the thing that's been stable, so over hundreds of years, you know, precious metals have been stable. And so if you can, in my belief, I, I think that if you can get a third of your wealth in precious metals, gold and silver, and the other uh, 70% in, you know, stocks or bonds or businesses, um, you can move yourself from the employee to the investor slash business owner. Yeah. Yeah, so this is basically a buying program for gold and silver. Is it ba- it's right? a membership, yep. It's, it's a, membership. a membership program yep. to where, I'm just trying to understand this. So it's a membership program where they provide gold and silver. You can buy gold and silver, but because you are you pay a membership and you're in there, um, I don't know, you're getting good, you're getting whatever market price is yep. on things. So <clears throat> right now. But this the, gives you an opportunity to also make an income on top of for those that want to, yep. For those that want to, or you can just buy gold and silver, which yep. gold and silver is always a good thing to be buying. So you can buy it at dealer direct pricing. I see. So the benefit of the membership, um, there's, a, there's a few things that they have. Like you can buy into gold IRAs. You can, they have an app where you can get a discount from, you know, 8,000 vendors that are worldwide. But at the end of the day, it's a owner, you know, it's kind of like the Costco of gold and silver. And so it doesn't matter whether you buy one ounce or whether you buy a hundred ounces or a thousand ounces, you're going to get the same price. Right. And uh, that's the part that's beneficial for those people that really go in and try to invest in and buy bullion, which is gold and silver mm-hmm. in uh, ounces that they can buy it at whatever price. You know, it's kind of like doing an app today. They, you can go in and buy it at the eighth decimal point. You can buy pennies of silver and gold they have what's called a sound money wallet and you can convert it's the only one in the world where you can convert the uh, dollar into gold into silver and back wow without any cost to you wow so you're kind of being able to just transfer your investment around correct into those different and there's a vault i've been there myself because i was like i want to see how real this is so in in idaho falls idaho they have a vault um, it's it's military proof. I mean, they got rebar that's going down, locks that go in, cameras all around. Um, it's insured by the Lords of London, and they physically buy. So if you buy, you and I were to go in and say, hey, we wanted to buy, you know, $100 worth of silver, then that would go into our sound wallet, which is off your phone. But then that's backed by that vault. It's backed they in that vault and that they physical physically gold. have it. And they have a little safe for us up to 25, I think it's $25,000 that you can put for free as being a member, that vault, you can put silver and gold in and you can just bank it so that it's not in your house or you can have it shipped to you whenever you want. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, pretty exciting. And then you can go in and, and ask for it and they'll show you the process of how it goes through. So this is interesting. So it's called, what's it called again? It's called 7K? It's called 7K. So probably what we'll do is in the description of this podcast, we'll just, if, I don't know, if somebody wants to learn anything more, I definitely, I guess I'm going to take a look at it because um, I'm always interested in these things. But honestly, I don't have, I've been through a bunch of, haven't we all? We've all been through a bunch of multi-level marketing Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, but, but what interests me, I guess, about this is that the ability to just buy gold and silver and be able to, like I say, control physical gold and silver. That's always, I've read a lot of books on it. That's just always a good sound thing yep, to it's be a hedge, investing it's, in. It's a hedge against the inflation, right? Exactly. And and so, I don't know. To me, that's that's the interesting part of all this is like, I have, like I've talked to you about, I have a business. I have what I'm building. Um, and that's where I'm going to put all my time. And you should. And that's I should, where, That's right? where it is. Absolutely. But if I can buy a little gold and silver on the side to help maintain as I'm building. Absolutely. Then um, then I just think that's a, a smart thing to do. So. Well, and that's exactly what I did. My mindset was, you know, how this is my extra money that I can reinvest. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what my intent was. Exactly. And uh, so all you're trying to do is find like-minded people and say, hey, here's an opportunity that they have a vault that you can use. 
for free being part of the member, which in and of itself, that pays for your membership. Um, and you can buy it at the eighth decimal point. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Which is amazing in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, you have five bucks, you can buy five bucks of silver. That's incredible. I'm going to, yeah, well, I'll put a link in the description below. I don't know if anybody wants to, if anybody ever hears this. Hey, I'm And I is agree. interested. If those two <laughs> things come together, they hear this and they're interested. Who wouldn't be interested in that? But they can uh, learn more by clicking on the link. But uh, that's pretty amazing. So you, then you were able to go down. How long was this trip? Uh, so the trip was from the 6th to the 11th, so five days. Cool. And uh, so we flew down on the 6th and spent the night. And then we flew out on the 11th. They paid for flights and everything? They paid for it all, yeah. Wow. And everything was covered. How long have you been involved with this? Uh, four months. Four months and you're already getting a trip to Mexico? Yeah, four months and a trip to Mexico. And the reality of it is, is it's not about convincing people. It's just about those people who are like-minded. Yeah, of course. And so for me, all I did was just say, hey, I think this is something to be up your alley. And uh, they're like, I mean, there were a couple of people that were like, Cody, if you're into it, I'm, I'm good. Sign me up, right? But most of them are like, okay, well, let's take a look at it. And uh, then So you're just trying to find a whole handful of other overachievers. I just want like-minded people that want to be able to save um, some money for their retirement or for their grandkids. Trying to lump you in with overachievers. Hey, uh, hey, me, if you want to call it overachievers, I'm all for it. Hey, I want to be lumped <laughs> in with overachievers. That's what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. Because, uh, you know, you, you kind of play around. Take, you know, you hear about certain things as you're growing older. And at least for me, a lot of things I'm like, man, I don't have the time or the money to do these, this thing or that or whatever. I, I got to a point where I just said, I'm going all in on a business. Um. And I have gone all in on that business with all of my time, all of my money, everything. I Everything is about that business. But at the same time, I realize that there's other other things out there that, it, you know, I should be um, building security. At the same time that I'm going all in on something, you know, the, I also realize that I need to not have all eggs just in just that basket. That I'm Correct. definitely trying to <clears throat> diversify um, how that all, you know, will then support us as we get old. I can't roll burritos for 20 years. Well, I mean, I could probably for 20, but after that, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. So, um, I think, I think that's important because that's where you're talking about with the brand, right? Yes. The, the idea is you build it up that you have a brand, you have a following and that there's, there's people that follow, um, you know, it's an influencer of how, what you want to do. So that's that's happening. I mean, in reality, you're already doing that. Um, you just keep doing what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, well, very small scale right now. But yeah, I think over 20 years, who knows what that can turn Absolutely. into. Absolutely, uh, yeah. For sure. Um, how was the customer service down there? I was curious. You went down and you stayed at, was it oh, a, like an all, all-inclusive resort? All-inclusive resort. It's called Natura um, Dreams. Dreams Natura Resort is where we stayed. Um, and so we were kind of in the nature, it was right in the lagoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine the money that they had to do to build, build that thing up. You know? But the people there treated you good? They treated us, yeah. We showed up and, and they said, uh, they started by opening your door and grabbing your bags and saying, welcome home. Wow. And uh, everywhere you went, I mean, you walked in the elevator, you opened the door and they're like, hey, would you like a drink? And uh, they, you know, they'd bring you a drink. You're in the pool and they would come over and ask you if you wanted a drink and they they did everything except jump in and deliver it to you, and they probably would have, if uh, yeah, that would have happened if you wanted to. Wow! Until I got stuck on the, I got uh, hung up on the. Uh, what do they call that? Where you get a little bungee cord and they oh yeah zip line, zip line. Yeah, yeah yeah. So we yeah. had a zip line that went down, and the guy that I was with goes, McNevin, do you want to go on the zip line? I'm like, dude. You've seen me, like little guy, big guy, little rope. No, not so much. Anyway, so he, I'm like, I'm game, whatever. You know, I don't care. So we went down. Well, there's bumpers that go, you know, they slow you down as you're coming down. And I was gaining speed, and I knew it, man. You're just. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, you go, you go through like two circles. And that second one, you're swinging out. And, uh, well, it goes through, and then the bumpers kind of slow you down. So they have three sets of them. Well, I went through the three sets, and halfway up, going back up to the top I almost felt like I was part of the uh, Marvel series where you're like hey and they jump back on where you started right. you know and then you come back down and it catches you 
Well, as they were coming around the second one, it stops you about three, but it was right over the kennel. They have this little river pool mm-hmm. that you can float. And uh, it was right above it. And, of course, you can't understand them, you know. Yeah. And they speak a little English. I speak a little Spanish. And, and uh, so the guy that I was with, they're all, you know, by then 10 sheets of. Yeah. And they're like, McNevin, you just have to drop. Like I'm like, this is part of the fun. Like, I, you know, you're standing there trying to, like, figure it out. And the guys below are like, here, I'm going to throw you a rope. And we were giving them a hard time to start with. So I wasn't sure if they were teasing me or what. And I'm like, what are they saying? Like, giving you a rope. And you're looking going, that pool isn't deep enough from the height that I'm at. Like, I'm not sure that that sounds like a good idea just to let myself go. And uh, so then they threw the rope up. And I figured they out that. they trying to tow you? Yeah, that they had to pop. They basically were pulling you through the bumper series until you can get back to where you had to be. Ah. And uh, so it was a little bit of a, that was a little bit of a, it was fun. You know, it wasn't really all that scary. But wow. for a minute there, I was like, man, are you serious? Like. This doesn't sound like fun, I think, because we were talking about the end of the day. Yeah. And so they're like, you're the last one. You just have to let yourself go. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There can't be an easier way for this thing to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, I was asking about the customer service because while you were doing that, I went uh, spend a weekend. It was our anniversary. We, we went out and um, we went April skis, I snowboard. And we... And you uh, guys get along? Yeah. Amazing. I happy, know. It's, happy anniversary, by the way. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> yes. And uh, so we went, and it was this, it was a, you know, great place. We, it's an Airbnb. Uh, we're staying at this place that actually is in the, it was actually homesteaded in the early, eight, or not early, but the late the 1800s, early 1900s, somewhere in that range. It was homesteaded. So it was there before the ski resort was there. So they built the ski resort around it. So during the summer months, you can drive to the place. But in the winter months, that that is a run. That's a ski run. So they oh, don't allow okay. you to drive up to it. They don't allow you to – you can't even take a snowmobile up to it. And they will, like – you can take a sled. If you want to pull a sled three-quarters of a mile um, up that hill. <laughs> so how did you get there? You have to walk, obviously. Well, you you take a lift. You get there, and you uh, you got to catch a lift, ride that up, and then ski down to it, snowboard with the like with your stuff. So we we did that, and uh, super tough. Uh, the because these ski resorts now because of COVID are making it so that you just can't just buy lift tickets. They only open them up. At a certain time, like four days ahead of time, they will open up online for you to buy lift tickets for that day. And they're going to only sell a certain number of lift tickets. Well, we're renting a place that is not cheap. And we've, we're trying to get to this place that's in the middle of their ski resort. And we got to use their lift to get there. So, and we got to get off work and get up there in time to catch that lift uh, to be able to ski down to our place. And we have to carry all of our stuff. So we're both have backpacks with like 40 pounds of stuff, which it's the <laughs> first day of of the year for us to ski and snowboard. So we're rusty as it is. And uh, anyway, we got up there. We had to get a lift ticket just to go up one time and to come down to that to that place. Well, eventually, the owner of the Airbnb contacted us like a day day before and said hey the the ski resort has graciously offered to give you a free ride up the lift for you to ski down and uh, we're like well great now you know we we had to do this we were told we had to get our get our own way up there and the only way to do that is to get online at two o'clock four days ahead of time and then when you get online you can't just get in there and buy the lift tickets now you're in line and if you are, uh, if your screen dims, then you're out of line. So you have to keep your screen lit. Don't don't get off of that page. Oh, and then man. eventually that page will refresh and give you the opportunity to buy some lift tickets. So these are the hoops that we're dry, that we're going through to purchase these people's product. Now, this is all due to COVID and whatever. I mean, I, I get it. They're trying to stay open or whatever. I, I don't know. I got my own feelings about how all of this, I don't know whether it should have been handled or not handled or, or whatever, 
but we're playing by the rules and we do that we go up there we pay for the lift tickets we ski into this place um part of that is when you park they're saying hey go to, to the employee parking and there's these gas pumps right there we get a message saying don't park in the middle area of the parking lot park on the edge near the gas pumps because they gotta plow snow and stuff and they want to be able to plow that middle part so we did that and uh, we got there we got there in just enough time we, we get up there to go get our lift tickets and then we got to go gather our stuff we're, we're in a hurry we're hustling i've been up since 10 10 o'clock the night before it's now like two in the afternoon three o'clock yeah you're tired i'm tired um and we get all of our stuff on and we get up that hill and and it'd been snowing in the previous 24 hours they got like two feet of snow and then we got probably another six inches of snow overnight that night so there's tons of fresh snow up there we get up there and uh the uh the owner of the place tells us hey you know they might you might need to take a shovel down there because they will snow plow that parking lot and there could be like a little bit of a, a berm behind you and uh we're like okay so <laughs> i can just see this one yeah so <laughs> i get up and uh the next day, um, we go down there and go, <laughs> we go check this place. We, we go down there. We go down to check on the car. And I'd, I, I should ha have my phone. I don't have my phone. I'll put it up on the screen. I'll show you here afterwards. We go down the next morning to go check on, on the car before we go skiing. And you go into the parking lot and there's all these cars, all every, everything's, you know, got a little bit of snow from maybe whatever. We go over and our car is piled buried to the roof. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. They 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 had to have lifted the snow up on the car. Like the the guy literally pushed it all up around the car and buried the car. Oh man. So you're mad. I'd be freaking steaming. Oh, I was hot. I was hot. This is, we just bought <clears throat> lift tickets for this many days. And they just buried our car. And uh, so we are. We're hot. And I'm like, it's not a little berm. I know what a little berm is. I know what, you know, whatever. We go to the administration office. I take pictures of the car. And we show the pictures to them. We're like, hey, um, is this normal? Like, <laughs> and she's like, ooh, uh, yeah, we all have to be prepared to dig ourselves out. And I'm like. Well, we're, we're like, we're, we live in Montana. We're from here. We understand snow. She's like, well, it, it snowed t two feet in the last 24 hours. And, you know, there was a lot of snow to be moved and, and whatever. And that's just, that's just how it happens. We're like, yeah, but this is like been lifted. You can tell here, this is lifted up on the car. We're packed in. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we could loan you a shovel. <laughs> And we just bought lift tickets. For oh, like, like, by this time, you're losing. Like, I, steam's coming from your ears. Yes. Oh, yes. I was really trying not to lose it. I, I April was a much better sport. She, I had to walk out. Like, I was like, oh, I can see we're getting nowhere with this. This lady's telling me that, okay, we'll, we'll loan you a shovel. Whether it was accidental or malicious or not, this is how they're treating customers. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, I don't know if under, it's accidental. If they truly like put snow on top of your car, she's that's saying not it's accidental. She's saying it's just accidental. That that's just what happens up there. Snow gets. They're trying to move snow, and she's saying, "Yeah, that's just what happens." And and I'm looking at it when I I can't wait to show you the photos of this because you can tell me if you think that was accidental or or just you know them plowing snow and that's just what happens or well you could tell if they went by if they were just plowing snow you'll know that they kind of go around your car right correct i mean yes. your car your car may be buried in snow but it's fresh snow and you can kind of see that it's yeah right yeah well that i was told case. no that was not the case but we did give them the opportunity we didn't go in there hot we just went in there and we're like hey like you know our car is just absolutely buried so my thought on it was this i was just amazed that you have this ski resort in montana and you think like these big companies these big corporations have it have things figured out like how to treat people 
Um, that was one example I could go on and on about different things we saw, how they handled us at the ski lifts and how they handled other people. We watched, you know, a guy at a ticket booth just going off on a customer who's, who's just trying to understand their system. I, I was overhearing the whole thing. And he's just like, can you just, maybe you could just tell me what days were available for us to get tickets. And the guy just says, look, and he just starts kind of yelling at the guy. <laughs> it, it was a, it was amazing to me across many levels, how poor the customer service was at this you know, place. It's interesting though, that uh, not everybody has customer service skills. Very true. I mean, the assumption is that everybody has them and they train them, right? But the, you reali- would think so. the reality is, is not everybody has, not everybody cares, right? Yeah. I had a, <clears throat> I had a coworker though. This one, the guy actually worked for me, but he had applied for a job and this was years ago. And he was an old Vietnam vet, and uh, he didn't get an interview to the job that he applied for. And so he came up, and the and the person that was interviewing was a colleague of mine, and uh, she was one. We, at those times, we had cubicles, one cubicle over from where I was. It might have been two. And he comes over to her in the morning and says, "I didn't even get an interview." And uh, she goes, "Well, you know, there's a lot of people that interviewed." And he goes, "I lowered my expectations to zero. And you still managed to disappoint. Yeah. And uh, it, I about fell over laughing when uh, she came over and told me that, right? And then I heard his side of the story a couple days later. But there's a lot of truth to that, that in customer service, we don't go in with an expectations very high to start with, usually, on something like that that you're describing. Yeah. And then there's people that can disappoint they could have handled that so differently mm-hmm. by saying, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Like, no, that's not normal. Let's, you know, let's see if I can get somebody to come help shovel you out or right. maybe we can get the guy with the, you know, one of the guys that are digging, you know, maybe there's a little skitster or something that can help right. move some snow. Yeah. What a missed opportunity. A ton. Of, what a yeah. missed opportunity for this place to be like, hey, you go and enjoy your skiing. I will have somebody out there who's going to shovel that out for you. And um that's this is a non-issue you enjoy your day so what it would have cost them the hour to have somebody dig that car out um in labor would have cost them way less than all the future sales they're not getting because we're not returning to this place we had such a miserable time at this place like it's below zero we we decided to go ahead and ski that day I went down there the next morning and I thought, let me go down there before the lifts open. I want a full good day today of skiing. I went down there and it was so packed and packed under the car. I broke the the people that were renting from their cabin. I broke their shovel. I don't know if it's from the below zero temperatures, but the plastic shovel head just kind of broke while I'm trying to dig the snow out that they've shoved under the car <laughs> into the exhaust pipes. The exhaust pipes were packed. I couldn't dig it out. At one point, I started the car, got the door dug out and open uh, to start the car, get it warming up. But I realized, I'm like, oh, this thing can't breathe. This is not going to be good. Um, the exhaust pipes are packed with snow. So I, I was able to finally dig out one of the pipes. It has two pipes. Um, but I shut the car off till I could get that done because the car is just going to fill up with exhaust. Anyway. I dug and dug, and this stuff is packed all around this car. So by the time I got done digging this out, I'd been digging it out for over an hour, and it's below zero, and I'm starting to kind of sweat. Now I got to, I, once I did get the car moved out of there, I had to sit in that, the car to dry out. It's below zero out there, and I'm starting to cool off now. So I'm <laughs> and running cold, yeah. And I'm getting cold. So now I'm running the car. I probably spent 30, 40 minutes in the car to try and get my my body temperature correct, get my clothes to dry out a little bit. Plus, I had snow that had fallen on my clothes that was melting. So by the time that I got back up to the cabin, um, I have a broken shovel. I've wasted a good part of the morning. It was now almost noon by the time I got back to the cabin. We had already lost three hours of skiing. and um, And so... And you needed a Snickers bar because you're turning into Betty White. I went to lunch. Yeah, I I was like, we got to, I got to eat something. You know, like we we had we. April was all ready to go, and I was like, I just burned so many calories. So I literally on my watch kept track that morning of how many calories I burned digging that thing out, 
And it was, it was crazy. I'd already burned like 900 calories that morning. Uh, by the time I got back up there for, for lunch. Digging your one. Yeah. So I ate lunch and then, you know, then we had four hours, uh, three and a half to, to finally ski. So would it have been better if you parked it in the middle of the uh, no, parking they, lot? No, they'd asked us not to. I know, but so so I didn't. We didn't know where to park. I took I took pictures of like where we were parked. Here's the gas pumps. All that parking was taken, so there really wasn't any options for us. And I feel kind of bad. Like I, the people that rent the place are super nice people, but I feel like this should have already been worked out with this place. That hey. You know, we'll give you guys, I don't know what their deal is there. We'll give you guys at the administration or the executives here so many days of retreat at our cabin here on your property for your people. In return, we get parking for our people. And that is protected parking, you know, or whatever. They should have come up with something like that. But even without something like that, like this place should have been looking at this as an opportunity to, to provide some customer service. Like, Hey, these people, like this car was buried. This lady was not going to make that kind of a command decision because she didn't, she didn't even know how to handle that situation other than to say, we'll loan you a shovel. And so she I thought she was being helpful by she saying thought she that. was being helpful. Yeah. So no. And, and, and this is just one example that I see because I pay attention because I'm in the business of customer service. And not all, not all the time do we meet customers' demands. I got people that come out of nowhere with all kinds of demands. And all the time we're having to make decisions on what level of customer service we give. Because um, I got people that want all kinds of special treatment just in the breakfast burrito business. So I can imagine what they're dealing with up there also. But, but we certainly, <laughs> proverbially, if we had buried somebody's car, I would have that thing shoveled out. I would shovel it out. Like, I'm not going to do that absolutely. to our people. Help and them out. anyway, since coming back from that place, we've just been like, we're not going back. Like, we're like, I'll just say this. It, it wasn't Big Sky. And we kept on asking ourselves, would if we were at Big Sky right now, like, would they bury our car and then offer us a shovel? I just can't imagine it. I've been to Big Sky a few times before. The customer service there has always been really good. I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know how they would have Well, it's a different it. class of people too, right? Uh, I mean, it's a completely yeah. different class of people. I mean, Big Sky, you've getting everybody, you know, all Correct. of the big names. But I would like to think that if I was even at another place, like a smaller place, that, that I would hope that they at least wouldn't bury your car and then offer you a shovel. Like, I think that that would be a pretty standard one. <laughs> like, don't bury the I customer's can't argue that. car. No, exactly. I can't even don't bury the, the customer's side. car. Yeah, I mean that's that's an easy one, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep use that one. Don't bury the customer's car. Yeah, and like if we do, let's dig it out. You know, like yep. I don't know, but I've been noticing a lot of the bigger companies. So we're small. We're trying to figure it out as we go, and a lot of times I think we feel that everybody else has it figured out. That everybody else, all these big companies, they have it figured out how they treat their people or how they handle things. And I'm, what I'm learning as I'm paying attention to this is they don't they're just hiring people and sometimes those people aren't trained absolutely yeah. have you ever <clears throat> read uh, there's there's a whole production that they do on customer service for the disney uh, customers that that they train disney how they do that right mm. well the interesting part is there's a book called uh, happiness i think but it's the guy that started sabato's um which is a online shoe company who's okay. now bought, who's bought out, who's then sold to Amazon, but they still run the company. Okay. Um, and uh, they, their whole person, their whole philosophy is taking care of the customer. And uh, to the point that if they don't have the shoes that you want, they have gone and purchased the shoes from another online company and then sold them to the customer with no no price hike no price hike and the reason for that is is they want that customer to come back yeah and uh, they and then they do a whole training on it they even offer after you know you come in and you go through you know four different interviews that after that interview before they offer you know before you actually get out they go through a training for a month at the end of that month they offer you they started at a thousand dollars now it's four thousand to just walk away 
you know, if you just came here because you wanted some money and you made it through this bar, we'll pay you to leave. Wow. And uh, it's, a, it's a whole new process, but they are known in the industry as customer service, how to, how to take care of the customer. Wow. You know, as the marketplace becomes just so crowded, I mean, everybody's, I mean, you can now, you know, you're not just competing with the guy down the street anymore. You're competing against online. You're competing against multiple places online. You're competing against high school kids. I'm seeing where high school kids are learning how to do price arbitrage between Amazon, eBay, and Ross department stores. And they're buying and selling stuff and, and moving stuff around and creating massive companies um, through, through Shopify accounts. So you're competing with everybody out there. And really what it's going to, what it comes down to is how to set, I feel how to set yourself apart is through good customer service because people can get products from all over the place, but it's who do you trust and who's going to give you good customer service. I know that I'm sure in our company, I'm sure we've dropped the ball. I guarantee you we've dropped the ball. I guarantee you we've messed up. But if there's something that I, I know about, like we really try to make that right. I know I've I've driven a breakfast burrito to Billings because we gave a bag load of burritos to somebody. I can't even remember where the miscommunication was, if it was on their end when they were ordering or our end and in, in how we thought, you know, whatever. But I, I remember a time driving a breakfast burrito to Billings to an office where there was people, they bought six burritos and not everybody had their burrito. I don't know how or why. I can't remember why, but I didn't care. I, I'll be there. But that's, but that's somebody who cares, right? Yeah. You made sure that they got their burrito. Exactly. That's, that's customer service. That's customer Absolutely. service. And I, and I just felt like that's just what should be done. Um, I just, I'm not going to tell somebody, I'll loan you a snow shovel. When my people, <laughs> when we were somehow involved in burying your car, whether we were in the right or you were in the right, wrong, or you parked in the wrong spot, we're still not going to bury somebody's car if they're parked in the wrong spot. You know, um, I asked that lady, are we being punished? I mean, she's like, no. I'm like, well, this to me looks like we're being punished for this was the only parking spot in that parking lot. Am I being punished because we left our car there overnight? I mean, is that what, is this what the snowplow guy is doing? He's punishing us? No, that's just what happens. That, that would happen to any of us. We all have to be prepared to dig ourselves out. And I'm like, why would you work someplace where your coworker is going to do this to you? Why would you work at a place like that? Is he, is he going to do that to the top executive of the company here? Would he bury that guy's car? No. 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 Is that guy going to go dig himself out? No. So why would you treat a customer that way? Amazing to me. What it did is it gave me encouragement, a lot of encouragement, that as we build small companies or as we work for smaller companies, that we shouldn't be intimidated by the big companies out there. Because they're dropping the ball left and right all over the place and providing opportunities oh, absolutely. for all of us to look good. So let's look good. Like I learned from that. And I and I'm talking to my people about that. Like we don't bear I've gone around, I've shown people that work for me. This is our car at a at a big place. Like and they're all like, Oh, I was gonna go skiing this weekend. Like, I'm not going there. Like what it would have cost them in labor to send somebody out there to dig that out is gonna cost them many times over and lost sales from us going there and from everybody who I talked to. Now, I'm not a negative review guy. I don't go online. I don't go after a company with negative reviews. I don't go after people publicly. I don't like it when people, if people were to do that to me. We did send them another email that showed, hey, here's all these photos. This is the condition. This is how long it took us to dig it, dig it out. We would like to give you an opportunity to explain this or make this right or whatever. They came back and said, hey, sorry. You know, that's, we had this much snow in a 24 hour period. Uh, this was not done, uh, maliciously and everybody has to be prepared to dig themselves out. We're so glad that, uh, you, we hope you had a, a happy anniversary and that's how I spent my anniversary was digging <laughs> that car so. out, but they hoped it was a happy one while I dug it out on their property when I should have been up skiing. Um, so no, they didn't make it right. Now the next step is to go on and leave them a negative review. I'm not going to do that. I've decided we're just not negative review people. I don't leave a review. Um, that's just how we approach things. I don't like it when people leave us a negative review. Um, I like it when they, you know, hey, if we can make something right with somebody, message me. I'll fix this problem. I'll make it right. Now, if I don't at that point, then then I guess we're fair game. 
you know, go ahead and leave me a negative review if I can't make things right with you. I, I totally agree. Anyway, so I just thought that was funny that you come back from a trip to Mexico. You've got great customer service. You got 80 degree weather. I'm in two, three negative feet 20 of degrees. negative 20 degrees, having to dig my car out, having horrible customer service. Ah, I got to do something differently. Well, I want to, I want to share this one last thing and then we can kind of end. <clears throat> so, uh, Ken Westcap, his big thing is customer service. And he always talks about, um, and you can find it online, but it's called give them the pickle, right? And his point is, is uh, we've done That doesn't training. sound right, but go It ahead. doesn't sound right. But the, back, when, <clears throat> back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a, there was a customer or a, a franchise, and it was a restaurant where you'd go in and get a hamburger and fries. And they always gave the customer pickles. Mm. Well, there was a couple customers that <clears throat> they would give them two pickles if they asked. They could get another pickle. Well, they decided to stop giving out extra pickles <clears throat> on these. And uh, after the reviews that were coming back, the owner would come around and ask, you know, as they do, hey, how are things going? How are you liking it? And one guy goes, I'm not having a very good time. Like, I'm not enjoying it. And he's like, oh, why is that? And he goes, well, I asked for an extra pickle. And uh, the last three times, they can't get the extra pickle. So I'm going to stop coming. In fact, I'm, I've told my friends to stop coming because you don't give out extra pickles. And so this guy went back to his employees and did a training on give them the pickle, right? Because it's exactly what you're talking about is, uh, you know, the lost revenue. Exactly. Far, far beats the extra five cents or 10 cents for the pickle. Exactly. And so they, they made banners. They made everything. It was about give them the pickle. Yeah. And it uh, doesn't sound right, but it's kind of funny when you think about it. So when, when you're thinking about food industry, right, it doesn't take much to go a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, so give them the pickle. Yeah, I agree 100%. Hey, it's always enlightening talking to you. I'm glad you made it back from Mexico with your head because I hear people are losing them down there, uh, yeah. whether it's Quidditch or by cartels. <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> I've just been couldn't wait to tell you my uh, my experience of. It sounds it sounds like it's quite the experience. I'm still traumatized from it. I uh, just now getting the feeling back in my fingers and toes. <laughs> and uh, but I'm no not gonna no yeah, frostbite. I will find a new place to shred those frozen waves. That's what I'm gonna do. All right, hey, thanks. We both got to get out of here and work real jobs. We can't just act like big, big stars. Yeah. And uh, but I appreciate you telling me about uh, this other program. I'll put a link down in the description if anybody wants to learn more. I certainly want to learn more. I certainly got to uh, up my gold and silver, and uh, going to do that here yeah, pretty so very I. soon. So, all right, hey, thanks, man, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks.